These are uncertain times, but Munson Savings Bank continues to grow and evolve, most recently by opening a new loan and operations center in Wilbraham and a new branch in East Longmeadow scheduled to open later this summer. At Munson Savings Bank, we believe in going above and beyond to create solutions for people, businesses, and our community. Hello. And welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local, and brought to you by Munson Savings Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here is your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I am George O'Brien, the editor of Business West magazine, and I'm happy to have uh, with us today Mike Fenton. Uh, he is a lawyer here in Springfield with Chats Swartz and Fenton and a Springfield City Councilor. And perhaps most importantly, he is one of five finalists for Business West's coveted, as in coveted, Alumni Achievement Award. Michael, how are you today? Good morning. Good, George. How are you? Happy to be here. Very good. So, this is not uh, exactly news for you. Uh, being a finalist is kind of becoming an old hat for you. Uh, you're, uh, what, this two, three years in a row now? You got this Susan Lucci thing going here? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is news. It is news, and it's great news. So, I'm honored to be considered as a finalist for this award. It's a really uh, substantial honor. And um, there's so many people uh, who are current 40, under 40 honorees and, and past that are doing so many great things in our community that um, I really just want to thank Business West for highlighting those folks and uh, paying attention to what we're up to after uh, 40 under 40. Okay. Well, for those of you who, who, who don't know about this award, uh, this is, as, as Mike mentioned, uh, it's part of our 40 under 40 program, which is that name connotes, recognizes rising stars in our area who are under the age of 40. Um, Mike is still under the age of 40, well under the age of 40. Um, but this award recognizes um, alumni, if you will, hence the name Alumni Achievement, who have gone on, embellished their resume, if you will, stayed in this market, gone on, and just done things to add to their resume that, that earned them that 40 under 40 plaque originally. And when was that for you, Mike? How many years ago now? Uh, 2012. 2012. Not that long ago at all. So we've got a lot to talk about. We could dive in almost anywhere here. Let's talk a little bit about your day job because your, quote, night job, uh, we have a lot to talk about there. So your day job, you're an attorney with Chad Swartz and Fenton, a rising star in the local legal community. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Um and how it's been impacted by COVID, as everything has been impacted by COVID. Yeah, so um, I'm a shareholder at Chad Schwartz and Fenton. Um, we've been around for over 51 years, uh, serving the Springfield uh, business community. Uh, our practice areas are uh, commercial real estate, commercial finance, bankruptcy, estate planning, elder law, general corporate representation. We also do some litigation. Um, of those practice areas, my specialties are in commercial real estate, estate planning, and commercial finance. So um, I've been quite fortunate to uh, land at such a uh, prominent firm in the community that I grew up in and am invested in and um, want to build my career with. So uh, I'm a shareholder there. Like I said, we've been around for over 50 years. 
And uh, the firm has a great reputation uh, started by legal services lawyers, uh, Steve Schatz and Steve Schwartz, uh, as well as Gary Fenton. And over the course of the last uh, half century, their practice uh, has developed into uh, one of the most sophisticated corporate commercial finance uh, and estate planning practices uh, in the Valley and really uh, west of Worcester. So uh, my clients range from large multinational uh, corporations um, to small uh, startup and closely held family businesses, uh, extremely large and sophisticated uh, estates with unique tax considerations, as well as uh, people with smaller estates, their primary asset being their home and uh, looking to uh, plan and preserve assets as best they can. So uh, it's a great group of people. Um, we're in downtown Springfield, 13 lawyers, and uh, it's just a fun place to work every day. Uh, it's, it's a really enjoyable, uh, it's an enjoyable culture that the partners have built over the many years of the firm, and, and I'm proud to be a part of the future of that. I always like to ask people how they got into the law um, some of the stories are really fascinating. Some of them not really as fascinating. How did you happen to get into that field? Well, I was always interested in it um, from a very, very young age. So um, I am one of five. I have four younger sisters. And uh, debate and argument was not a foreign thing in our household. And so um, pretty early on in my life, I figured out that I wanted to explore a legal career. And I wasn't exactly sure what type of lawyer I wanted to be, um, but as time went on and I learned more about different practice areas and got some really good mentors along the way, uh, I forged a path that led to the successful practice that we have uh, and that I enjoy now. Um, you know, what, what you were saying earlier, uh, George, about COVID and the way that it's impacted uh, the legal community, particularly in the Pioneer Valley, uh, it's been really interesting because uh, we've seen a lot of people with a heightened interest in estate planning because uh, they're having a heightened sense of uh, their own uh, mortality uh, and they're seeing uh, their loved ones worried more during this pandemic about illness and, and thinking about things that aren't always uh, at the front of our minds otherwise. And then in our corporate practice and um, my commercial real estate practice, we're seeing a lot of uh, new questions. I wrote a few articles uh, for Business West that talked about force majeure provisions. And those are contract clauses that discuss what happens in the event of an act of God, uh, an extreme weather event, a war, a strike. And not in all cases does that uh, type of protection um, and consideration under contract law extend to pandemics. So that's been an interesting thing that a lot of clients have had to deal with. And then the changing federal, uh, federal legal landscape with the PPP loan program, uh, unemployment benefits changing. It's important that people are getting uh, sound and thorough legal advice on how best to uh, structure and plan for their business in this new climate. Overall, some lawyers are busier than they were before. Some lawyers are not. Or are you in that latter category or the former? Yeah, so um, I'm busier because I think there's a lot more questions in those uh, two particular practice areas I was just referencing. Um, but I think that we're also going to see some changes uh, over the course of the next few years. This is a, a short-term uh, increase in demand uh, for attorneys who do what I do. 
But in the long run, there's much bigger questions about, you know, what is the future of commercial real estate? Um, what does it mean for uh, people who have large lease space in office towers or um, malls, shopping malls? Uh, it's not just a question about uh, the expansion of uh, things like Zoom, what we're doing right now, and, and technology, uh, as well as competition from online retailers like Amazon and others. But it's now a question of uh, public health. And what does uh, the future of the American economy mean for commercial real estate? And that's going to have really direct impacts on uh, different practice areas and whether they, they grow or uh, they change and evolve. Before we get into that, uh, tell the story about how where you went to law school helped facilitate the process or helped kind of change your life and lead to that night job, night job, day job, it's both that I talked about earlier. If you've gone to law school somewhere else, uh, you might not be the Ward 2 city councilor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, so I went to, I grew up in Springfield, went to school here um, through high school, and then Providence College. And when I was ready to graduate Providence, I decided I was going to go to law school, uh, applied to about a dozen uh, schools and had decided on, uh, at least what I thought at the time, decided that I was gonna go to Boston College. And so uh, what changed that was I was offered a full scholarship to go to Western New England. And it made me think, um, you know, as, as a young person that uh, is growing up in a time where American society is much more sensitive to the long-term impacts of student loans uh, and the student loan crisis, uh, I was a difficult decision to make uh, because I hadn't received very much uh, financial incentives from the other institution. And so ultimately, uh, this was 2009, and ultimately I decided uh, to take Western New England up on that offer, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. It's an incredible institution. Um, I benefited tremendously from that education and from the network that supports that education in this area. And uh, it enabled me to be in a place that I had longstanding ties to the community and really cared about. So a part of that decision to go to Western New England and move back home to Springfield was uh, that there was an opportunity for me to run for a small local elected office, Springfield City Council. And so I did that. I graduated in May uh, in Rhode Island uh, from my undergraduate degree and I launched my campaign at uh, the former Mykonos uh, European restaurant in the Springfield Plaza two weeks later. And so I had the summer off before law school and I went out and I met a bunch of people and I did it every single day. It was about seven or eight people running in that race. Didn't think I would win. And then I won. So uh, there was a primary and then a general. And in the middle of all this, I had started the first few weeks of law school and um, I've been doing it ever since. So that was, uh, that was 11 years ago. And um, it's been one of the uh, greatest decisions of my life to go to Western New England, um, not just because of the education and the network, but because of what it allowed me to do um, for my hometown and to be back here in a place that um, I really cared about and like to have an impact on. Do you think you'd still be doing it, uh, what is it now, 10, 11 years later? I didn't think I would do it for more than one. Um, and when I first ran, uh, candidly, it was uh, one major motivating factor, not the only one, but one major motivating factor is, you know, I was a young person. I was trying to distinguish myself as somebody who's focusing on their legal career. 
and um, wouldn't it be great to gain some experience in land use if I ran for office and served on a special permit granting authority or was involved in um, municipal bonding or tax incremental financing agreements. And uh, so I thought I'd do it for once and be done. And somewhere along the line, um, I really, really fell in love with the job. And I really uh, started to have a different outlook for the work and the real impact that you can have on people's lives. Um, and that continues today. So uh, it's not my career. Um, it is a passion and it's something that I do to give back my career. And the thing that's most important to me is my law practice. But uh, the serving an elected government is, um, is a passion and it's a, it's a calling. It's a difficult job, especially uh, in today's day and age. And um, it's one that I've been really fortunate to participate in over the last 11 going on 12 years. Okay. This is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West. We are talking today with Mike Fenton. He is a city councilor in Springfield, an attorney with Shatsworth and Fenton, and most importantly, a finalist for Business West's Alumni Achievement Award. Uh, we're talking about your work as a Springfield city councilor. You, you mentioned earlier some of the ways in which COVID is changing the landscape. Um, the picture is starting to look intriguing and in some ways uh, a little distressing. Um, you mentioned downtown office towers. Uh, MGM is, is certainly struggling. Uh, talk about what the world might look like when this pandemic was over and how it's going to impact this city. Yeah, that's that's the big question. What, 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 what will this look like after? Um, I think one thing is for certain, um, it won't look the same. Uh, I think that uh, the days of uh, nine to five professional services companies being in office towers five days a week um, are likely behind us for the foreseeable future and potentially uh, the long-term future. Uh, I think that people are gonna revisit and rethink about their corporate and business strategies for how they uh, plan their business. How much space do we need? What is our investment in technology? Will technology investments in our business replace some of the investments and the expenses we were planning uh, for leasehold interests or uh, commercial real estate of some sort? And I think that um, the manner in which that happens remains to be seen, but I firmly believe that it is going to change. Um, and it is not just a temporary thing. I think when we come out of this, employers are gonna look at their workforce in new ways. Uh, and I think that it will in the long run create a, a stronger local and American economy that's more robust. Where does that leave downtown Springfield? Uh, are we gonna have to reimagine it? Are we gonna have to rebuild it? Uh, we're gonna have to repurpose these buildings? Yeah, so, so downtown Springfield is uh, primarily composed of uh, commercial office space. Um, there's some uh, very limited retail and restaurant uses, but it's primarily commercial office space. And so one of the fortunate things uh, that we're looking at in the city from a planning perspective is that we, for many years, 
uh, envied places like uh, Providence Place, uh, downtown Providence, or um, Ingleside at Holyoke, Natick. And fortunately, uh, downtown isn't uh, heavily invested in uh, the retail market. And so that aspect of the economy uh, has, has really two things pushing on it, not just COVID, but also the transform, uh, transforming the economy towards e-commerce and online retail. And so a lot of those places are having really difficult discussions about what to do with their urban centers uh, that have a primary focus on retail. Fortunately, downtown Springfield only has to deal because of its office uh, nature with one of those variables, with the COVID variable. And I think that as a city, uh, the thing that we need to focus on the most is how do we support the business community to create an environment that allows it to thrive? And right now, while uh, plans are being uh, conducted to re-envision the casino uh, blue zone, if you will, in the few blocks surrounding the casino, it's really difficult to plan for the future uh, for places like Monarch Place and Tower Square. Um, but what we do know is that it's going to be a little bit different and um, we, as a city, need to support those uh, ownership and partnership groups to make sure that they're well positioned um, to succeed in the future. What that looks like exactly um, is anybody's guess. Well, I don't think anybody knows at this point. I mean, we're still dealing with this pandemic, let alone what the world is going to look like when it's over. But it is definitely uh, a topic of conversation and, and the conversations have really begun. It, it should be very interesting to see how this all pans out in a couple of minutes we, we've got left talk about mgm uh, the headlines came down recently uh, about the additional layoffs uh, certainly things have not gone the way everyone has hoped um not just with the casino but with the development of the area around it uh talk about what can happen um, still and, and, and your take on the casino in its first two years in operation sure so before we talk about the, the temporary, um, hopefully temporary negative uh, streak that MGM's going through, I wanna just highlight a few things that are positive that are going on right now down there. Um, Wahlburgers is under construction and almost complete. Uh, we've got, we just had a major announcement with the governor, Lieutenant Governor, uh, the Pignelli family and the rest of the real estate uh, development team for the long vacant historic court square project. Uh, at 31 uh, Elm Street. And I think that that project in particular, uh, I've referred to it many times as, as the golden goose that has evaded Springfield for the last 40 years. Uh, that project in particular is gonna have a tremendous impact on the downtown uh, residential real estate market and uh, breathe some life into an area of downtown that has been literally completely abandoned and vacant for the last 30 to 40 years. Um, and so those are things that are powered by the MGM development. MGM invested $16 million into that Elm Street Court Square project. That wasn't a requirement under the host community agreement. We had to negotiate that. And they've really honored um, the, the terms and the spirit of their deal. With that said, uh, you're absolutely right to say that things aren't going the way we planned. Uh, MGM was forced to be shuttered uh, for a period of months. They've reopened. During their first month of uh, limited reopening, uh, I think it was done very safely and thoughtfully with the assistance of the Mass Gaming Commission. I was pleased to see that revenues were uh, north of $10 million, uh, despite their limited opening with uh, very few table games other than 
I think the only table game that's allowed to be open now is blackjack. Everything else is is closed. So, uh, craps, roulette, etc., poker, those are all unavailable. Some of the some of the biggest money makers for the casino. We've also had to limit the number of uh, slots, uh, which are another big revenue stream for them. So certainly we're upset. Uh, because there's a lot of entertainment and synergy that was supposed to be coming from that development that can't on a temporary basis. But one thing is clear, and that is that MGM is invested in the long term for Springfield. And we have an excellent partnership with them that's symbiotic, not one that will uh, result in the city uh, giving away the store or putting ourselves in a position where um, we're going to be... you know, there's room. I guess what I'm saying is from time to time, there's these rumors that come up. Oh, you know, they're going to sell it or, oh, they're going under or, oh, this is a this is a worldwide pandemic that's affecting all sorts of industries across the globe, particularly casino gaming. And Springfield's not immune from that. So um, as chair of the Casino Oversight Committee, we've been working with MGM and the law department to make sure that whatever our future negotiations look like, it's in the best interest of the city of Springfield and also helps to foster future development for MGM. It's a very important cog in what's happening in Springfield. And I'm glad to see that you, know, you mentioned the court square project and all the good things that are happening. You're absolutely right. Uh, people are focused on, on the negative and uh, those rumors are just, they're, they're taking over. So I think everybody uh, who has a, an interest in Springfield and wants to see the city recover has to be rooting for MGM in some way. Uh, if not, then they should be. So, Michael, uh, thank you for uh, coming on our podcast. We will certainly have you back down the road. Uh, you've been a great guest. Uh, good luck to you in the Alumni Achievement Finalist competition. Hopefully this year is the year to break through for you. Thanks, George. All right. We'll see you next time. So thanks for listening. And remember to join us down next time for another episode of Business Talk. Presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. We'll see you then. Thank you.